Hello, you're listening to the Solid Word Bible Church podcast. Whether you're at work, driving in your car, or getting your workout on, we hope and pray that what you hear today will fill your spirit. Come, join us as we walk through God's Word together. And we are actually going to look at Hannah's husband, Elkanah. He is not one that I've ever heard anyone preach about, but he is one that should definitely be talked about. Because as I shared with you earlier, one of those faithful men of his time, of course, he would have been known because of who he was, but he is not talked about a lot because he had such a good and great wife as she as she as she really you know worked through and struggled through her pain and her time and became known for who she was before God and seemingly but really not living in that shadow was a man that needs to be talked about so if you would turn to me turn with me to the book of 1 Samuel Chapter 1, Elkanah, faithful man and father in an unfaithful society. I'm not going to read the whole, we will uh, skip through the first chapter to some different um, verses. But I want to read at least the first few verses of it, starting at chapter 1. There was a certain man of Ramathim Zophim of the hill country of Ephraim, whose name was Elkanah, the son of Jerom, son of Elihu, son of Tohu, son of Zuth, and Ephraim, and I'm sorry, an an Ephratite. He had two wives. The name of the one was Hannah, and the name of the other was Panina, and Panina had children, but Hannah had no children. Now this man used to go up year by year from his city to worship and to sacrifice to the Lord of hosts at Shiloh, where the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, were priests of the Lord. On the day when Elkanah sacrificed, he would give portions to Panina his wife and to all her sons and daughters but to hannah he gave a double portion because he loved her though the lord had closed her womb i'm going to stop there the setting for this first samuel you have to understand the setting for this was at the closing of the era of the judges and so we knew what typified the era of the judges was every man did what was right in his own mind. That's scary. It's plain and simple. When we as sinful and flawed humans are doing just what is right in our own mind, not according to a set standard that has to exist outside of man, that's scary. Because we get... Some of what we see today, we get a level of ungodliness, craziness. We get a whole lot of everything that we're not surprised at. See, we think doing what we want is the ultimate freedom. Actually, living as we want without being guided 
and, and, and actually hemmed in by God is destructive. And we see it in the judges. We know Ruth is set in the time of the judges. And God during that time, and in that time, it was one of Israel's toughest you know, uh, uh, seasons, they were in decline morally. They were disobedient to God. They were walking away from God. And so here you had in that period when, when, when the nation was on this slide, God still had faithful, ordinary people living according to his way, and he would use one of these simple families to bring about a deliverer. Many believe the last judge and first prophet in Samuel. But it was this family that I want us to look at, and it was the father of this family, the leader of this family, that I want us to look at. And so you have to understand, you would say, what's the big deal about this guy when you hear him mentioned? Well, you have to understand the context that he lived in. The general consensus was going away from God. So he was already someone that was living against the tide. And as we look at the spiritual leadership at that time, Eli and his two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, their line, they would be eventually cut off from the line of the priesthood because of their sinful ways and leadership. A father who could not control his sons that were living ungodly and wasn't a model for them to live godly. His leadership that at best was dull when you look at, in, in, in this context, you look at him compared to Hannah. And so you have, um, you have a situation where the context was one where he could have been like everyone else and been as spiritually dull and as, as spiritually lost and disconnected and disengaged like the majority of the society. But instead... You get someone that's living the opposite, and look at how God chooses to honor that. And so what made Elkanah an example of faithfulness? Well, the first thing was that Elkanah faithfully led his family in worship and sacrifice to the Lord. The scripture says that, verse 3, now this man used to go up year by year from his city to worship and to sacrifice to the Lord of hosts at Shiloh. That was commanded. This whole worship was commanded. He was into worshiping God the proper way. This wasn't just about coming to church. For him, and understand, when they went up to offer sacrifices, sacrifices for sin, sacrifices for their family, sacrifices for the year, this would be in line with, I mean, with what was laid down. Here was a man who was deciding he was going to lead his family God's way regardless of the cost because it's at great cost for him to take the whole family up to Shiloh year by year. You get this consistent, deliberate worship. 
And sometimes it's not fancy. Sometimes it looks, okay, like, we're going to do this again. Didn't we go up the last three years? Can't we skip a year? Oh, come on. It don't take all that. No one else is going up year by year. But what you get is a man and a woman who decided that this was so critical and so important, it was part of their daily life. Proper worship of God was critical for him. Let's not just talk about taking the trip and the routines and the rituals. Understand what's behind it. For Elkanah, faithful and proper worship according to the instruction of the Lord. Today, that could mean for us faithfully following the Lord according to his word. You don't take your cues from the culture. Because for him, culture was going in the opposite direction. Why was he faithful? Because he led his family in the proper worship and sacrifice unto the Lord. Second reason he was faithful, Elkanah faithfully loved his wife Hannah. It is believed and it was common, don't let the two wives discount him in your mind because it was, it was proper, it was understood in society then, not now, then, not now, that if in the case, and it is believed that his love, because when it says he loved her, it is because that is whom he married and chose to marry in Hannah. But back then, men of means, because Elkanah, because they went through his ancestry, he is actually of um, aristocracy, as we would say. No, he wasn't a king, but he came from that lineage. But just because you come from great lineage doesn't mean you're going to live greatly. We've seen that throughout Scripture. But here we have Eli, who came from the Levitical priesthood. I started looking at their, um, at their ancestry. And they both are from, I mean, they both are from Levi, down his line, both Elkanah and Eli, which is where you get the priesthood, although Elkanah was not a priest. His family tree comes. And so one of the things that we, that we realize is just because you have good lineage, just because you have notable ancestry, doesn't mean, does not mean you're going to be great. Doesn't mean that. You have to make that choice. You have to live according to influence. And I will say this also, just because you've not seen it done, just because you've not had the example of godliness and faithfulness doesn't mean you cannot be. That you can by choice. That you can by intentionality. And so Elkanah faithfully loved his wife Hannah. Verse 5. It says that, but to Hannah he gave a double portion. And so it was believed that men of means, because they could not have children with their first wife, would be able to 
take a second wife to produce children because their heirs, their male heirs would receive so that it didn't go to another family or to another and it would keep it in the family. And so for Hannah, it was that pressure and embarrassment. It was, it, it was what was tough and was difficult for her of not bearing children for her love. But you notice the scripture says the Lord was behind this. The Lord closed her womb. And so she couldn't have. And so she didn't run off being bitter against God because of what he did not allow. She leaned into God, knowing that he is the one who can do anything about it. As a matter of fact, her statement, and because she eventually gives Samuel over to the Lord, she realized the only way I'm going to have children is if the Lord miraculously steps in. And if the Lord miraculously steps in, I'm not going to now keep this gift of God and wrap it tight all to myself. In essence, I'm going to give what the Lord gave me freely back to him. And Elkanah had no problem with that. But for her, he loved her. He didn't get embittered by her not able to have a child, nor did he blame her. No, here was the point. He said he loved her in her struggle. Here was a man. Here was a husband. Here was a father that knew the struggles of his wife. And instead of distancing himself, as brothers we can do, when our wives are going through struggle or complaining or if you'd only do or maybe you ought to try, it says he loved her. And I love this and that he leaned in. Why? Because he gave her a double portion. You know, he gave that to Panina who herself was a, was a piece of work. She was a mess. And you only hear about her here and no more. Hannah's talked about forever. Penina is mentioned when Hannah is talked about. But he loved her in her struggle, and when she wasn't popular, when she wasn't seen as godly, when she was seen as, as actually drunk and crazy, Eli in the temple, he loved her. And his love did something. Because the portion sizes came by the size of your family, Panina would say, I got more than you because I got children and you don't. Because it says that every year when they went up, she would, and mentioned this on Mother's Day, she would harass her. And the harassing was, look at what I got. Because when they go up to sacrifice, those portions were be eaten. And so... What ends up happening? She knows every year as he is being faithful to worship God, she is reminded every year of what God has not allowed to happen in her life. And yet he didn't let it affect his relationship with her. That's a faithful guy. Because some brothers would have checked out. I'm done with you. I can do better. I don't have to deal with all this. No, instead, he leans in and he actually cares. 
he tries to console her, although I like Elkanah because he's not this perfect dude. I was like, that statement you could have kept to yourself, bruh. Go to verse 8. Actually, I'm going to go verse 7. So it went on year by year. As often as she went up to the house of the Lord, she used to provoke her. Therefore, Hannah wept and would not eat. You could tell she was depressed. And Elkanah, her husband, said to her, Hannah, why do you weep? You know, he's trying to console her. And why do you not eat? And why is your, and why is your heart sad? Am I not more to you than ten sons? I was like, wow. I love him trying to console her. Yeah. I love that he's the imperfect dude because brothers don't say that to your wives. <laughs> Ain't I worth more than 10 sons? I'm going to go, my boy, sit down. <laughs> I'm like, the society isn't counting your worth more than 10 sons. The pressure isn't on. It doesn't deal with the pain nor the hurt, but I give him points. He was trying to console her. He didn't totally know how. And I know some of us, if not all of us, can identify with that when we're trying to console and help our wives or the women around us, and it would have been better had we been like Job's friends in the early and not said anything. Just be there. But I love the fact that he was faithful to her. Another reason of what made Elkanah an example of faithfulness is that Elkanah faithfully trusted his godly wife's decision. It ended up happening as she was in the temple and she was struggling in prayer. That, by the way, Father's Day, Mother's Day, doesn't even matter. That example of Hannah is one that I believe every believer should pick up. And this is struggling before the Lord in prayer when you are going through hard times. See, because the tendency is to complain to the Lord without prayer, when I'm going through, she leaned in and just gave it all to the Lord. And when she did, she became pregnant. And when she did, she fulfilled what she said in prayer. Some of us would have been like, what did I pray, Lord? Oh, no, nah, you ain't getting this dude. No, nah, no. Nah. Lord, I, I, was, I didn't know what I was saying when I said that. But instead, she leaned in. But here's what I love, because you have to understand, Elkanah, this was his first child and son with the woman he loved. So her surrendering him to Eli wasn't as a single parent. He was surrendering him to Eli as well. Let me ask y'all, how many of y'all and if you struggle to have child, boy or girl, doesn't even matter, that you would just say, yeah, I'm going to give him over to you to raise him. I'll come and visit him once a year when we come up to the temple after not being able to have children for a long time. See, this deal was, this was his son too. We like to say Hannah gave up her child as if she was by herself. It was his as well in a society like that, but it was the dedication he already had to the Lord that he had no issue. Verse 21, 
The man Elkanah and all his house went up to offer to the Lord the yearly sacrifice to pay his vow. Once again, his faithfully worshiping the Lord properly. But Hannah did, got, did not go up, for she said to her husband, as soon as the child is weaned, about two or three years old, I will bring him so that he may appear in the presence of the Lord and dwell there forever. She said, we're going to give him away. I just need him to be weaned. And I need to be, and, and so that we can go in and give him up. Now, we don't know if they had this conversation before or not. But here she was saying, here's the decision I believe we should make. Now, I'm going to say this and understand women too. Elkanah, point three, faithfully trusted his godly wife's decision. Y'all going to be like, see, that's why y'all should listen to me. His godly wife's decision and understand that she had laid before the Lord and had leaned into the Lord and made that decision from her time with the Lord. It wasn't just random. But his concern, he said to her, verse 23, Elkanah, her husband, said to her, do what seems best to you. I love that. Let me stop there because there would have been some of y'all and been like, you must be crazy. Are you not giving away my first son by you? Dedicated. He could be dedicated to the Lord right here. I was going through my dog. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He can be dedicated. I can bring him up every year. If you want me to go twice a year, bring him up twice. I can even go three times a year. But that boy is staying with me right here. But I love what he says. He says, uh-uh. He goes, do what seems best to you. Why? Because he understood Hannah Lamb before the Lord. He, he understood her godliness. He understood the struggle she took from that other woman and how she still leaned into the Lord. He trusted her. And here's what he says. He says, do what seems right, mean best to you. Wait until you have weaned him. Only may the Lord establish his word. He said, my concern is that God's word is established in this situation. I love this dude. He is just like, look, do what seems right. But look, I am concerned with God's word being accomplished and established. The critical weight for him was God's word being lived out. Men, fathers, for you, are you looking at the situations around you and saying to others and to your wife, do what's best, but I want God's word to be established because I'm living by God's word. I'm worshiping according to God's word. I am an example, although not perfect. Sometimes I say the wrong things, but of a man who desires God to be lived out in and through his life. And here's the deal. They ended up having five more children. He didn't know that. He didn't know if they were going to have any more children. We read the story afterwards. He's living it in the moment. And it's not like children come, you know, I want a child. Okay, tomorrow we're going to pick another child. Go pick up another one. And five more children. But he didn't know that. 
All he knew is that I am willing, like you, because I know who you are, to join in the sacrifice because we're already a family that knows how to sacrifice for the Lord. It didn't just start when they dedicated Samuel. It started when he went up every year sacrificing before the Lord. He was already in practice. Brothers, I'll tell you right now, some of you are having a hard time sacrificing certain things because you're not in the practice of any kind of sacrifice. And God is saying to you and I, look, get into the habit in the small things of worshiping and sacrificing, releasing and letting go. So when I come asking for the larger things, you don't have a heart attack. Or as my sisters used to say, you don't have a heart of stroke. Like, what? What do you do? What, Lord? It's, no, it's big because you're not in the practice of it. But when you're in the practice of it, it's less of a jump. And so he says to her, look, I just want God's word to be established. So the woman remained and nursed her son until she weaned him. And when she had weaned him, she took him up with her along with a three-year-old bull and ephah of flour and a skin of wine. And she brought him to the house of the Lord at Shiloh. And the child was young. Then there, look, look, it was, it, they wanted them to know that at this early and young stage, they were given this child, they, both of them. Then they slaughtered the bull and they brought the child to Eli. And she said, oh, my Lord, as you live, my Lord, I am the woman, he said to Eli, who was standing here in your presence, praying to the Lord. For this child I prayed, and the Lord has granted me my, peti my petition that I made to him. Therefore, I have lent him, or that lent meaning she has given him over. To the Lord, as long as he lives, he is lent to the Lord. He is given to God. See, but this was already in line with the rest of the family. They were already giving to the Lord sacrificially. Families, are you sacrificing for God now? If not, it's going to be hard when God comes calling for family sacrifices. Not only was Elkanah faithfully trusted, I mean, not only did he faithfully trust his godly wife's decision, Elkanah faithfully entrusted his son to being dedicated to the Lord. And it's just in a simple statement. Go to chapter 2, verse 11. And I know I'm throwing you guys here off, but chapter 2, verse 11, give them a moment just to be able to put that up. Because Hannah's prayer, I would tell you, if you haven't read it yet, read it. I love it. And it comes from, this wasn't a, all of a sudden she felt it. This was a prayer through the struggles. This was a prayer that was born over time with a woman that knew how deep the pain was, but how great God is in that and after that pain. Chapter 2, verse 11 says, Then Elkanah went home to Ramah. Very simple. That's his whole life. He went home. But in going home, he did something. He entrusted him. He says, And the boy was ministering to the Lord in the presence of Eli, the priest. 
Elkanah was a man in an ungodly and unfaithful society that ministered well to the Lord. And I want you, you may not notice, I want you to look at this picture. And here his boy was, ministering to the Lord at a young age in the presence of an unfaithful spiritual leader. He was doing what daddy did in a smaller measure. Dad was faithful in an unfaithful society. Samuel was faithful in unfaithful spiritual leadership. And some of us today, I'm telling you, just because it involves church doesn't mean it's always godly. You have, and we know, and it's something that I am reminded of daily, that we have unfaithful people in positions of spiritual leadership. Don't act surprised. Yes, you can be sad, but don't act surprised. Because sin expresses itself in a number of ways, and we all have fallen prey in different ways. And I pray and request your prayers that I am not like Eli, unfaithful in spiritual leadership. And he had enough sense still that when Samuel later said, were you calling me? And he realized, oh, this must be God because I ain't talking to this boy. But my deal here is Elkanah laid out an example, and in this small way, Samuel is beginning to follow it. If you read later, it goes up that he had on his little ephod, which was, signi which was signifying priesthood. As a little boy, don't tell me kids can't faithfully follow God. Stop it. Well, he's too young for that. How you know? How you know he's too young for that? She's too young for all that. Um, really? Is that what the Lord says? I would say, let the Lord's word be established in their life. And if you see something and, 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 and is this, does this desire for greater faithfulness, encourage it. Don't suppress it. Because you have no idea what the Lord is doing. That's for both dad and moms. Lastly, I want to contrast Elkanah with Eli. Elkanah was not a priest yet lived and led a holier life than Eli. We say today, Elkanah wasn't a pastor, but he was living holier than him. His house, his life, his faithfulness was one that could be mirrored and that is, is a model for others. If you look at chapter 2, after it says that Eli went home and that Samuel ministered to the Lord, the very next verse, verse 12, is a comparison. That's intentional. Now, the sons of Eli were worthless men. He just stated how a man who was faithful to God left his son in the presence of the Lord to minister to him. And in the next verse, it says, the other man who should have been in the presence of the Lord, his sons were worthless. 
And he even tried at some point to get them to be men that did what was right because they were pimping in the temple. They were stealing. They were going against God's way in an awful way. And Eli, at the end, he kind of mentions it to them, although he benefited from what they were doing earlier. And it ended up costing their life. Years ago, one of the hardest, no, probably the hardest, not one of, <clears throat> before we left for Europe, at, they seemed to like me at jury duty. They would call me every two years. I was like, y'all ain't got no one else in this city? I'm not even from here. Like, why y'all keep calling me? <laughs> and they did, every two years I got the notice you know, and, and I wanted to be faithful. I didn't want to lie to get out of it. And I was like, Lord, what can I do? He's like, you can sit there and serve. That's what you can do. But the very last time, this one, it, it, it was hard. It was a murder case. And we ended up um, convicting the young man and his buddies of, and it was sad because he was young. I'm old enough to be a man, but still a young man. And they had, was a young guy that they had bought weed from. I mean, it's been long gone, so I'm telling you. They had bought weed from, and in this scenario, he was living well off of it and had also was able to pay for the home of his mom next door through it. And the guys wanted his money and thought they would come in and just rob him and he would just kind of lay down, but he didn't. And in the fight, they end up killing him. And I remember when we pronounced the verdict on, when it was pronounced, and I remember looking at the mom. She knew that he was a drug dealer. She knew he was, and it even came up that she knew he was a marijuana dealer. At that time, it was illegal and was enjoying the benefits and living the life of it, but didn't ever realize it would cost her son's life. And as she sat there, I, my eyes were on her. And I remember almost crying and going, Mom, was it worth it? You knew his lifestyle. You knew that wasn't right. And I, my, I went back to her, and she was just in tears as she sat there. Yeah, he was guilty of killing her son. Yeah, but she doesn't have a son. And I was just like, wow, that hit me deeply. When we don't stand up, fathers especially, as godly men and lean into where we see sin in our kid's life, first dealing with our own, not out of perfection, but out of consistency in Christ. And then we speak to what we see and we know is not right. No, you can't make your children live godly, but you can surely push and you can surely be an example. Eli failed in that. And he was responsible for leading others to worship the Lord properly. 
and his sons were a hindrance. Elkanah was known for his faithful leadership. Eli was known for his lack of it. Elkanah had spiritual leadership. Eli was spiritually dull. And ultimately, look at the legacy. Elkanah's son, Samuel. Prophet, strong, ministering before the Lord. And look at Eli's son. What did God say about them? They were worthless men. So you had a ministering boy compared to worthless men. And I would say that's the effect of a faithful father. You will have ministering boys that become ministering men and ministering girls that become ministering women before the Lord. Or you can have worthless men and worthless women. Dad, you decide. Here's my question for you. Will you have integrity and leadership or just a position, meaning father, just a position with no substance? Will you have integrity and leadership or just a position with no substance? Second question. Will you live righteously in an unrighteous world or will you just go along with the culture? Will you live righteously in an unrighteous world? It's going to cost you. You're going to have to sacrifice. And then lastly, Will your legacy bring deliverance or pain to those around you? Here's why I say that. The legacy of Elkanah was Samuel. He brought deliverance. He brought the nation back from a slide. God used that. Eli, up until Samuel got older, they brought pain because they were using and abusing the people of God in the temple. So will your legacy bring deliverance and help or will it bring pain once again dad you decide you've been listening to the solid word bible church podcast and we trust that you've been blessed if you'd like to learn more about us you can visit our website at solidword.org thank you for joining us today and we'll see you next week